I'm excited about Vacation Bible School. It's coming up. It's going to be great. I know we're going to have a ton of kids here and have a chance to share the love of Jesus with them. And um, I don't know how many of you can remember back to your childhood and attending Vacation Bible School. I know I did, and it, it left an impact on me. I can't necessarily remember all of the lessons that I learned, but I remembered that it was good to be at the church and the church was a good thing, and it, and it helped set my feet on a right path in a time when I really needed it. So I look forward to having the chance to do that for kids in our community, and I know we're going to have a lot coming to be a part of that. So we hope that you'll get ready for that and sign up and help us with it. And as part of getting ready, I'm going to be preaching the actual lessons that we're going to teach at Vacation Bible School over the next few weeks. So each, you know, there's like four days in Vacation Bible School and so we have four different lessons, and I'm going to talk about those over the next few weeks. So today we're going to look at the first story, which is the story of how God rescued Noah, all the way back in the beginning of the Bible in chapter 6 of Genesis. So let me read a portion of that story to you from Genesis 6 and looking at verses 17 through 22. The Word of God says, look, I am about to cover the the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. This is the word of God. For the people of God, thanks be to God. So I want to start off by saying, you know, that there is ample evidence, even outside of the Bible, of a tremendous flood that devastated the biblical world sometime in the ancient past. Scientists describe the earth at the end of the last major ice age as a time of great flooding. Geological evidence confirms it. Glaciers melted and caused oceans to rise some 400 feet. Look up. Now, 400 feet, think about that. A football field is 300 feet, the length of a football field. But 400 feet is the, the height of a 40-story building. And that's how much water was emptied into the oceans at the end of the last ice age. The Black Sea, you can find it on a map, was once a freshwater lake, but it was flooded by seawater at the last ice age. It's now saltwater sea. The ruins of hundreds of villages lie, now lie beneath the water of the Black Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, the Persian Gulf, and in many places around the world, including China, Japan, and Thailand. These are actual ruins underwater that, that you can uh, go and find. Flooding at the dawn of human civilization was, a, was terrible, and it was catastrophic, 
and it survives in the memories of hundreds of cultures around the world. The Epic of Gilgamesh is an ancient Mesopotamian story about a flood and a hero named Gilgamesh who got on a boat and somehow survived it. The ancient Greeks had a flood story. The Hindus have a deluge tale of, in India, as well as flood stories by the Aztecs in Mexico and the Native Americans. These stories are all different, but they have many striking similarities to the story we read of when we read Noah and the flood in the Bible. Things that included boats, birds, animals being brought on the boats, and heroes who were interacting with gods. If that many people from around the world remember this, it's worth us taking it serious. But with all that said, what does God want us to get from the story that is in the Holy Bible? A major theme from Noah and the Flood is this. God keeps his promises. Say that with me. God keeps his promises. The whole point of the flood story in the Bible is that God keeps his promises. And the symbol of God's faithfulness is the rainbow in the sky. Now, a lot of people would ask, well, how could, how could a good God do something so terrible as flooding the whole earth? That's an honest question. You could ask the same thing of a doctor who amputates a person's leg. Why would a doctor do something so horrific as cutting off someone's leg? Well, if the leg was so badly injured or infected that it could jeopardize the whole body, then the most caring thing a doctor could do, maybe, would be to cut off the diseased appendage. And that's what God saw when he looked at the whole world. Creation had become so evil and humanity was so evil that the best thing to do, according to Scripture, was that it was so far gone that, it, that, it, that the best thing to do to preserve the whole was to have this flood. And Noah and his family and the animals went on the ark as a remnant to be saved. But despite humanity's sin, which had corrupted God's beautiful creation and broken our relationship with God, God didn't give up on us. He promised to save the world. And he started with Noah and his family. And God also saved the animals. God is always working to save us. And God keeps his promises. But we have to trust God. Noah had to trust God. God told Noah to build an ark. <clears throat> if Noah didn't do that, he wouldn't be saved. But Noah trusted God, and he obeyed him, and he was saved. Noah's obedience also saved his family and the animals. And when we trust God and when we obey, it doesn't just change our lives it has the potential to change our family, our community, our nation, our world. 
and even the environment around us, when we are obedient to God, all of creation benefits. But we have to trust in God. We have to trust that he keeps his promises. There's another important symbol in the story. A dove. In Genesis 8, we learn the flood was so great that waters covered the earth for five months. And then the ark came to rest on the top of Mount Ararat. But at that point, when it came to rest on the top of the mountain, only mountain peaks were visible. And that lasted for two and a half months, according to the story. How would Noah know when it was safe to leave the ark? He couldn't see far enough to know. And so eventually, Noah opened the window and he released two birds. Do you know what the birds were? There are two kinds. Crow is a raven, actually. Some translations may say crow. I don't know, is a crow and a raven the same thing? I don't know. Similar. There's two birds. One was a raven and one was a dove. I don't know why Noah sent out the raven. That's puzzled me as I was preparing this. Um, I need to research that. It seems interesting. Maybe you should research that too. Somebody find out. Why did God send a raven? I don't know. But I want to know. But I do know that ravens eat carrion. They eat dead animals. They might be on the side of the road with some roadkill. And there's a lot of roadkill after a flood that's been on the earth for that many days. A lot of dead animals. Um, I don't know. That's the only thing I know about ravens. But I know some interesting things. I learned some interesting things about a dove. I mean, I knew this already, but I never made the connection until I prepared for this vacation Bible school lesson. You learn so much when you teach, friends. If you help with vacation Bible school, you're not just going to help kids learn. You're going to learn too. Why did Noah release the dove? The dove could fly around and see things that Noah couldn't see, right? Could see things that Noah couldn't see. And it says that when he first let the dove out, the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground, so it returned to the boat. Genesis 8, 9. Seven days later, Noah released the dove again. And this time, the bird flew around, and then when it returned, it had in its beak. Do you know what it had in its beak? An olive branch. So it it found something, but it wasn't enough to stay, so it came back. And then Noah waited seven more days, and then he released the dove again, and this time the dove did not return, which meant that the dove had found a place to land and a place to live. And there was dry land out there. And this told Noah that he too could leave the boat. In the New Testament, the dove represents the Holy Spirit. So you may remember the story when Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened and a dove descended upon Jesus as the Spirit of God, 
And God said, this is my beloved son who brings me great joy. That's from Matthew 3, 16 through 17. And the dove represents the Holy Spirit. Did you know that every Christian who follows Jesus as their Lord has the Holy Spirit of God living inside them? In John 14, 15 through 17, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit guides us. Like the dove that told Noah to leave the boat. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 says, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you think about that, that dove going out and telling Noah the information that he needed to save his family, that it's safe to go out. And the Holy Spirit is like a dove for us. Showing us what we cannot see so that we can go out and live for Christ. Do you ever feel lost? Do you ever feel like you just can't see the future? You don't know what's coming. We've all experienced things that just took us by surprise. Someone that we loved and cared about that that died unexpectedly. Or something happened at work, you lost your job, or your spouse, you thought everything was fine, and they come to you, and they want a divorce. And it just hits you out of the blue. And there's so much in life that that we just don't know, and we can't anticipate. We don't know what's up ahead. It might be a flood in the future. It might be some sickness Or pandemic, I don't know. God forbid. I'm tired of pandemic, right? But we don't know. There might be another one that comes. Human beings have been experiencing those things for millennia. I'm sure we'll experience one again. And we don't know when it will happen. But Christians have an asset that the rest of the world doesn't have. We have the Holy Spirit to show us the way. We have the Holy Spirit of God like a dove that can see things from a different perspective than we can and sees what we need to do and wants to guide us just like God guided Noah and his family. When we pray and we ask God to lead us into the unknown future, it is like opening a window and releasing a dove the Holy Spirit sees, who sees what we can't see, tells us what to do. But we've got to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be listening. And we do that through daily prayer and walking with God. When we walk with Jesus daily and practice reading the scriptures, and praying, and fasting, and worshiping, we grow more accustomed to hearing the Spirit's voice, following where He leads. Now listen to me. You may have never prayed a day in your life. I don't know. 
And you can always lift up a prayer to the Lord. He always hears. The problem is not that God hears your prayers. The, prayer, the problem a lot of times is that you don't, you're not accustomed to hearing God's voice. That's why we don't wait until tragedy strikes to pray. I mean, certainly, if tragedy strikes, pray. Even if it's the first prayer you've ever prayed, do it. You've got to start. But the hope of the Christian is that we walk with Christ daily. You want to get used to hearing his voice before the crisis comes. Because in that moment, you want to be ready, not just starting. Does that make sense? Get accustomed to hearing the Spirit's voice and following his lead. And just like Noah, we have to trust and obey the Lord. If the Spirit says, build an ark, build an ark. If the Spirit says, get off the boat, get off the boat. If the Spirit says, talk to that person over there, talk to them. If the Spirit says, help with VBS, help with VBS. Now, when the Spirit says do something, you may not understand why. It may seem like the silliest thing in the world. You want me to do what? You want me to build an ark? And you want me to fill it full of all these different kinds of animals? That doesn't make any sense. You may think, well, that's just crazy. I ain't doing that. But you can't see what the Holy Spirit sees. He's got a reason, and you don't necessarily understand, but you have to trust. So you better trust the Spirit and obey. Noah, Noah trusted God, and he was saved. He and his whole family and all the animals. And after it was all over, they left the boat. And Noah built an altar, and he worshiped the Lord the Lord was pleased and made a covenant, a divine agreement with Noah and his family. In Genesis 9, 12 through 16, God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds, and I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will I send the floodwaters to destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. God made a covenant with Noah and all the earth. Jesus came to make a new covenant with people. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. And there is a sign for this new covenant too. It is the sacrament we call Holy Communion which represents the body and blood of Christ 
that was given for us on the cross. This was for the forgiveness of our sins. Next week, I hope you will come back. We will celebrate Holy Communion together to remember the covenant that God has made with us through Jesus Christ. But today, I want to call upon you all to believe in Jesus and to decide to follow him and to trust the Holy Spirit to guide you because God keeps his promises. Amen? Father God in heaven, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his blood that was shed on the cross as a sign of a new covenant. That those who trust in him and follow him as Lord can be forgiven of their sins. And we can trust you to give us eternal life. Just as you raised Christ from the grave, you will raise us to new life as well. Thank you, Lord, for the sign of the new covenant. And thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives inside everyone who follows Christ. Just like the dove who guided Noah out of the boat to safety, your Holy Spirit guides us when we trust in Christ. Help us to listen and to know the voice of your Spirit so that we can do the things that you call us to do and help us to be obedient. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.